It is the phenomenon heard around the world. And if you have fallen victim to said phenomenon, I may or may not hold it against you. I don't know. We will find out today, but we are with the founder of socialcatfish.com. That's right, people, catfishing. And who better to discuss than with the man himself, David McClellan. He has seen some stuff. We're going to talk about his business. Okay, socialcatfish.com. It's an Inc. 500 company. It's been featured in Forbes and CNN and Huffington Post. And now, you know, unlike the others, cancel me, baby. A little bit about David before I bring him on. He is Southern California based, really a genius from what I'm gathering at sales, marketing, did a lot of work um, over at CBS Interactive. So David, we're going to get into it today. And uh, the catfish of it all, what a time, what, what a business. So your business, David, helps verify if somebody is real because you guys go in and basically find public records that are otherwise hard to find. So I'm sure, David, that you have seen some shit. I've I've seen some shit for sure. By the (laughs) way, that was the best introduction I've ever gotten. Every time I'm feeling low and bad about myself, I'm just going to jump on and have you do that quick 30 second intro because that was, that was really nice. Thank you. I so appreciate that, David, you are doing the Lord's work with socialcatfish.com. So, Hey, it's the least I could do. Um, but, but I'm so glad, you know, something funny about you, David, is you call yourself a cool guy turned internet nerd, but isn't it usually the other way around? Think about it. Like the Zucks, not that I think Zuck is a cool guy, but you know what I mean? Like the Elon Musk, they, these guys have become like celebrities in their own right right yeah yeah 100 percent. i think what happens is like people get money and then they they turn cool like look at um jeff bezos like all those pictures exactly yeah um so i mean i grew up i had a 2.3 gpa graduating out of high school um i was always like super ambitious growing up but like i was probably the last person my teachers or people i knew like thought that would be successful. And and so, you know, I went around, I was the guy that, you know, always knew kind of what, you know, what was going on, you know, party wise. And, uh, but I really took a knack to the internet and I just fell in love with it. Um, I remember, you know, I, I won't go deep into this, but you know, what got me into the internet, I, I met a few industry people early on and I started learning about how people made money online. And I'm like, this is fucking incredible. Like you don't have to go and charge somebody for a service. Like you can monetize audiences. You can monetize things lots of different ways. And if you create value, like you can build communities, you can build a business around this. And so, you know, I had, I had dealt with like, you know, brick and mortar shops that, you know, were impacted by the economy. And I remember early on having an interview with, um, I don't know if you remember Flowtown back in the day, but a company called Flowtown in San Francisco. And, you know, I was talking to them about like the economy in 2007 and they literally had a blank stare on their eye. Like they had no idea what was going on. And that like really intrigued me because, you know, you can sell to whoever you want online. You can access whoever you want online. You know, it's, you know, like if you like work hard enough and are savvy and smart enough, yeah. I mean, really build a good business. A it, business so. It's crazy how, when you think about it though, how almost like to your point, tech nerds have become 
these like celebrities in their own right. And when you think about it, the impact this has on our day-to-day lives, like for, for better or, or worse, um, who is David your, cause you're very much obviously in the tech world. It's a little foreign to me, but who, but it's funny because they become like the Bezos is right. Like they have become these sort of pop culture icons, Musk with Twitter Funny enough, when I was a reporter in LA, I was at this bougie Hollywood event. Jeff Bezos was there amongst others. And I remember being like, oh, oh, that's Jeff Bezos right there, right? Like they kind of have that effect. So who is your tech lord, you know, kind of icon, if you will? I don't really have one. Um, or do these guys have nothing to aspire to at the end of the day? Are they all just out for themselves? No, like I think they're like, honestly, like they're innovative people. Like, I mean, they're yeah. changing, they're literally changing the world, right? Like I won't downplay any of that. They're visionaries. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit different with like how I set the bar. I think these, I think seeing what these people do motivate me. And so like, I realized you know, like there's a paradigm shift where like you think you can only do so much and then you see somebody who's just killing it. And for me, it just motivates the shit out of me, like seeing this stuff. Um, but I don't look at them as idols or or whatever. I just look at them as like, you know, they're challenging me to think differently about my business and how I do things. Mm-hmm. You know, I give Zuck a lot of shit and a lot of these guys, but when you think about it, it is kind of cool that the internet nerd, you know, like I said, is a, is a star in their own right. And hey, to your point, they are, you know, revolutionizing things, right? So speaking to that social catfish, catfishing has obviously, like David, I look at everything through a pop culture lens, given my experience and background as an entertainment reporter. And it's a huge phenomenon. Kind of what I was saying in the beginning in pop culture right now, right? You have like inventing Anna, you have, I don't know if you've heard of the podcast, Scamfluencers, like it is everywhere. It's with romance, with dating, with money, with influencers, It like no one can escape it. So from your view, what is going on? Are we, you know, are we lonely? Are we gullible? Are we just becoming flat out stupid? Like what is happening that this is everywhere? So I, I think not like... So the initial issue is like, people don't talk about this enough. And so like, when we got into this industry eight and a half years ago, we saw the show like Catfish on TV and we're like, oh, like the internet's wild, wild west. I can go get a, grab a picture of a mansion, a Ferrari, go put on a dating site and nobody knows any better, right? right? Catfishing is way different than that. You know, like lots of people are getting scammed out of, you know, not just, you know, thousands of dollars, but hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars last year. FBI, FTC reported just under a billion dollars lost to online scams. And so like, this is a massive, massive problem. And, you know, we have a poll about a million people that we talk to that we have in our communities and and we do polls every year and we do a state of scams. And so uh, one thing that we've learned is only about one in every three people report these scams. And so, um, you know, the, what we hear about is only a small percentage of what's really out there. And, you know, it's like the iceberg effect, right? You just see like the tip of the iceberg, but there's this massive iceberg below with like what's really going on and how this stuff really happens. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, all these stories that we see on Netflix and whatever, like realistically, they're very mild to like a lot of the stuff I've seen over the last eight and a half years. So what is some of the craziest things that people would be like, no, that that David, that never happened, stop. So we have a YouTube channel. We put out 52 episodes a year. And so it's Scamfish on YouTube. You can look it up. 
like people watch it and it's like like 50% of people like know that it's real because they've been through it. And the other 50% like question if this stuff really happens. But I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of different things over the years. Like uh, there's a prominent lawyer in New York that she met a guy online. She's a tax attorney. And he said he was having tax issues and needed help. She proceeded to send $70,000 cash in the mail to Lagos, Nigeria in boxes full of clothes after seven, sending 10 boxes, $700,000 later, cash, keep in mind, that her package was scanned. FBI got involved, reached out to her and said, hey, look, like, what are you doing? And so that, and so she told him what's happening. They told her she was being scammed. They put a tracking device in the package, tracked it back to Lagos, Nigeria, and couldn't do anything because of the jurisdiction between countries. She came to us wanting to meet like the real person. And so, you know, we uncovered who the real person was and we're these live interactions we're, we're pretty careful about just because, you know, we want to like help people protect themselves. And so um, the guy was willing to meet her and they met up for coffee and they dated for like six, seven months. So kind of a crazy story. That's one of them. Um, yeah, that's like catfishing in reverse. Like normally yeah. it's like these horror stories of, you know, it's like an axe murder, you know, in his mom's basement or something like that's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, we just dealt with one um, where a lady lost $260,000 in Bitcoin, like through a Bitcoin scam. And um, the scam is so common. I hear yeah. like millions yeah, we, lost. Yeah. Yeah. Crypto scams, like especially over the last like few years of like really exploded. Well, the scammer had accidentally connected his iCloud account with her phone because a lot of times with these scams, these scammers, they try to isolate you from your friends or family. And so like they'll literally hack your phone and they'll delete messages and, and they'll see kind of what you're up to. And so the scammer synced, accidentally synced his iCloud account. So we downloaded all of his images. So we got his license plate number for his Lexus. We got his address. We got all this information and we're passing it on to the authorities. Um, he also screwed up and he, so crypto is not anonymous like it used to be. You know, there's a, a law called like KYC laws, like know your customer laws, like the same laws that banks have. And so he, the scammer transferred the money to Binance. And so we're getting law enforcement involved to try to seize those funds. So um, those are just like two, like, yikes, normal stories that we deal with on a, on a daily basis. But I mean, we've definitely dealt with it all. If my iCloud, okay, from my mouth to God's ears, if my iCloud <laughs> was ever hacked, literally, I would have to reside in a hut on a foreign <laughs> like in an igloo on the north pole like it would just not be a good time so for anybody and that's when we get into the whole privacy thing too because even like reading up on you and social catfish it makes me wonder like how much about it because you're able to go obviously like you're not looking into people's private like you guys look at public files that are just for us you know the common man hard to find but it makes me wonder like how much about ourselves is actually really out there so we're actually trying to solve that problem with some of what we do. Like, so we built, uh, we re recently built a tool called Privacy Lock. And so 
um, it's basically a credit report for your social media. And so it's showing you what's really out there, what's public about yourself, why it's out there and why it's public. And it allows you to control it and have different settings and get notifications whenever we find anything. So it could be anything from like a data breach and your personal email password being out on the internet to your images being shown up. You'd be surprised with how many people online have their images stolen for scams. Like it's crazy how common. Okay. And so- yeah. Oh, go ahead, David. No, so 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 that's what we're trying to do. Um, but yes, yeah, so we only use publicly available information. Right. But there's still a lot of information like that MySpace account back in the day that we don't know is still out there. I mean, there's still a lot of things um, that are out there and, and that are public that we don't we forget about or don't know. Holy crap! Speaking of, it makes me think we talk about these like tech lords becoming these you know pop culture figures. It was making me think like. Imagine the people behind LimeWire and Napster. They're like, damn, we just missed our window. We would have been huge. We like little, literally would have been stars. They're like that ruining the day. Um, oh. But, you know, I asked you before, this may not be the most politically correct thing, but again, it's like, are we just stupid and gullible? I mean, even so I'm in the midst of a move to Nashville. And before I found my place, a lot of people recommended these Facebook groups. And it seems legit because you can't just join it. You have to like, you know, apply. Someone has to let you in the whole thing. And sure enough, David, every single time, you know, people will be like, oh, looking for a roommate. Oh, here's an apartment. Here's a one bedroom. And I followed a couple, followed, you know, pursued it. And sure enough, it was like, every time I was like, oh, can we FaceTime so I can see it? Can I have a friend go see it? I, I need to see the property. Like they would go, radio silence, you know, every, and it's like, what do they expect? Am I just going to be like, here you go. Here's my checking account. Godspeed, like have a good time with that. Like it's so it's everywhere, but you know, again, is there a part of us that's just not thinking it through? Yeah. Or, so or like, desperate or something. Yeah. Not that's like not thinking it through is really the issue. So there's, um, there's a fucking awesome book called persuasion. And it talks about like the psychology of like why people make decisions and why they're part of community and like being a podcaster, you like, you would love this book if you haven't read it already, but no, I uh, haven't. Yeah. So, but one of the, the things they talk about is like the it's click run method. So like, you know, when we don't have enough time to make a decision, we use like the information that's available to us to make those decisions. And so what happens a lot of times in these scams, these people are presented with, you know, situations where they don't have a lot of time to make a decision. And so they're basing it off of the information that's in front of them. And so they end up just making the wrong decision and not taking a step back and being like, look, I need more time to do research. I need to do my due diligence. You know, for example, like, I mean, the real estate markets, like the rental market's crazy hot, like across the country. And so mm. if you're looking to move somewhere and you're having a hard time finding a rental and there's one that's available, you may make the decision just to move forward give them your deposit really quickly so that you can secure that place and you may yeah. not do all the due diligence. And so that's how people get scammed. And so like we've talked to people like that are super, super smart, like PhDs, very educated that are getting scammed, you know, people on the opposite end of the spectrum that, you know, like probably should have a power of attorney over them because, you know, they're, they're not making the right decision. So, I mean, it for sure happens all over the place. You know, typically the more savvy, the smarter people lose less money when it involves these scams and people that are just less educated or, um, you know, um, have emotional issues, you know, tend to get scammed at a, 
much higher like rate. So like, you know, romance scams, for example. The yes, average I was going to get into that. Dime yeah. a dozen. Yeah. They lose like $12,000 per scam on average, which think about that. That's, that's, that's like a used car. That's crazy. Let's talk about that, David. This interview is perfect timing because I just had an actor on my show, uh, James Morazzini, and he he's on HBO. I think, he, you know, he was on American Horror Story and he just uh, directed and started a indie film. Um, it's called I Love My Dad. It has a really great cast, like kick-ass all-star cast. It's getting a lot of buzz. And it's based on his real life experience in which his estranged father wanted to reconnect with him. So he made this, like, he basically catfished his son. He made this, like, fake social media profile of this really cute girl and was DMing him back and forth. And, you know, it's, like, super, you know, it gets really awkward, obviously, and cringe. And even, like, the critics, he and I talked about this on my show. Like, even the critics are like, what is this pseudo-incestual moment? Like, what is happening? But I think at the core of it, there's something to be said about how, we are lacking, you know, this is a father, something, but still, whether it be romance, intimacy, whatever it is, it's like, we're really lacking that sort of, you know, that intimacy and that it's almost like this being our way of connecting is where we're at. It's like, we're very, we're almost like desperate. It's very sad. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? You know, are we just lonely? Everybody wants to feel love. like love is like a natural human motion. Everybody wants to feel that. And it depends on you know, who you are and, and what you've been through in your life will determine, you know, how desperate you are to, to feel that. And then some people ha don't even know what love is. Like, seriously, like, you know, we've talked to lots of people that have had just poisonous relationship after poisonous relationship. And so they get involved with like a scammer and continue to get scammed for two, three, four years, lose hundreds of thousands, or even millions of dollars. And so like, like bottom line, like people want to feel love. They want to feel that emotion. We all want it. You know, it just depends on what we have in our life and, and where we're getting it from. You know, I have also gotten kind of shit because we're in this world right now. That's like, you know, everyone is perfect. No judgmental, blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole thing. Right. And so I'm one to openly be like, listen, the dating app life is not for me. And people will be like, oh, come on. You're such a hater, Taylor. You know, people find love. And I'm like, okay, like save it, save the drama for your mama. I just can't. But I mean, am I that far off base? It's like, this is why. And it's not like, I don't, I'm not judging it or being, you know, I try not to be judgmental of it, but come on. Like, am I that far off? I mean, there's an ask for every seat. So, I mean, if like, <laughs> like there are a million dating sites out there, um, I even get pitched to come onto the board of like lots of dating apps. But um, I mean, there's probably a dating app that fits your needs and wants. Um, a lot of people want that like face-to-face -face connection with there's which yeah. like, you know, if I, if I was single and, and dating and I, that's probably what I'd want too. But so it just really depends on what you're trying to get out of it and what your expectations are. You know, David, you talked before about clients you have who like, maybe they fall into this trap time and time again. I feel like over there at your office, are you and your staff almost like little psychologists over there at times because of everything you see? Talk about that experience. Yeah. So, so <laughs> for sure, um, you know, we all start learning about psychology. Everybody that starts working here and that deals with customers starts learning about psychology to some extent. Um, you know, we... We have a pretty lenient like phone policy at the office where, you know, like if our customers call in, 
you know, I'm not worried about, you know, how much money they've spent on our service. You know, like I'm more about like, let's help them out and move on as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. So like for sure we have 20 minute conversations with customers that call us. And so, um, you know, a lot of times it's just coaching on the next steps. You know, people, a lot of times come to us because they don't want to go, they're too embarrassed to go to friends or family or, yeah. or even authorities. And so it's like, it's us coaching them on next steps and what to do. So for sure, um, you know, a lot of us learn about site about psychology and, and, uh, you know, we've all had our counseling moments with, with customers. So what would you say from a general, like being so in the weeds of it, what would you, I mean, technology is only advancing, right? So whether it be like our romance or lack thereof, or longing for connection and intimacy, like, where do you see all of this going? It's good. It, it's not going to stop. These scams are actually an evolution of the Nigerian Prince days that we all make fun of. But like, you know, before they used to send like letters to the house and then evolved into email and then AOL and some chat rooms and then dating apps. Now we're seeing them all over the place on social networks, dating apps, you know, games like words with friends, um, you know, discord, um, you know, WhatsApp, Google Hangouts. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. So as technology yeah. evolves, these scams for sure evolve. In fact, like the way a lot of these scams are run, like most of the time they're run from people overseas. So like in, um, you know, Africa, in Nigeria, um, in Russia, China, the Philippines, where we see a lot of these scams and a lot of them have playbooks. And so literally we, like I was just on CNN like a few weeks ago and we got a hold of this playbook called how to make white women fall in love with you. Stop. This is a real thing, by the way. Stop. Um, no, 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 this is a real thing. And it, it's a word for word playbook on how a scammer can make a woman fall in love with them. And so they go online, they copy and paste stuff out of this playbook. It gives them instruction on how to scam people and they use this and share this. And this is, I, this is real shit that happens like every single day. Oh and yeah. A lot of these scams are run like they're either run by criminal organizations or they're run like multi-level marketing companies, you know, where there's a guy at the top taking a cut and he's helping everybody else out learning how to scam. Sometimes it's just a one-off person that, you know, learns how to scam. And then every time he gets help, like, so say he needs to transfer money or, or redeem gift cards or whatever, somebody will take a cut of all that, but that's how these scams are run. And they will continue to evolve over time. And to your last point about like, you know, as like, is this what we need? Are we lonely? So um, we do a lot of research around these scams. And what we've found out is like 20 and younger is the fastest growing segment for romance scams, which you would think the opposite. And we interviewed a lot of people to try to understand this, that the differentiator is like those people are growing up and they're, um, you know, they're the iPad, iPhone generation, right? They're overconfident with their technical abilities because, you know, their parents and their friends have gone to them for help. You know, they want to be an online influencer. And that's like the cool thing, right? Like where if a stranger messages you, like have those conversations, like that's normal now. And so these people are getting scammed at a faster rate than other demographics because yeah. they're the problem. I could actually see that, David. We're going to get to the white woman manifesto in a second because yeah. we're going to go there. Yeah. But you're so right. So I have a side hustle. And recently I was training a new hire who is, I don't know, like a 20, 21-year-old college student, right? And 
she it like cracked me up inside I was rolling my eyes I was like yeah okay she's like yeah so like you know I'm an influencer I have 8,000 followers and like you know businesses just like send me stuff all the time like you know number one it's like you know be a tailor be a David go learn a skill and put something into the world that's number one but number two it's like you're right they're so excited by it and like pride themselves on it and it's it is fascinating because you would think it'd be the older demo uh, who's like really looking for love, maybe a divorcee, whatever. But, um, you know, yeah, the youngsters are not pro, you know, because they're not immune to it because yeah, they get so excited by that kind of shit. Like I want to be the next, you know, and I can't even imagine what goes down there. Well, like, but how appealing is that? Like you see like a Kardashian that like, and I'm sure they're super bright, but like, you know, they build this like massive following, start a makeup line and and become a billionaire. Like, that's appealing to me. Like, you know, like if I could generate, you know, 400 million followers, you know, on my Instagram account and start brands and build them up really quickly, like I would do that all day long. And so, I mean, I, I mean, there are a lot of smart influencers out there, but there are a lot of these, like, there micro, are. yeah, there are a lot of these micro influencers that, mm-hmm. you know, are overconfident and they're also yeah. bleeding, like the people that follow them, you know, are, like wanting to be just like them. And there's so many, I mean, the amount of people that have, you know, 5,000 followers, 8,000 followers, 15,000, I mean, they're a million, they're a diamond dozen, and but they, they're overconfident in like who they are and how big they are, how important they are because of the justification they have on the internet. And you know what? Yes. And like, you are not a Kardashian bitch. And you know, what? I've met them. I've met Chris. They get shit a lot of times, sometimes even from me, but I have to say on that front, to your point, those bitches know how to hustle. Like their hustle doesn't sleep. So I'll give that, I'll give credit where credit is due. But David, the white woman checklist, how to make a white woman fall in love as one. I'm just like, let's see what they got. Bring the heat. I am just curious for what this checklist entails because let's sweep me off my feet. Let's see. So a lot of it starts out with the basic conversations, like how to, how to open up the conversation with somebody. So instead of saying, um, guys like take notes um some of this is not like bad advice but instead of like randomly dm dming somebody and saying that like hi how are you like most people are not going to respond to that open up with hey you know i'm a dog lover and i noticed you had blah 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 like i have this type of dog too and so you know what they preach in this this book is like do some research about somebody before reaching out to them and then build common ground right away so that you can get a response out of them and so there are a lot of, they're like 50 templated responses that, that, you know, they cut and paste, but it teaches them how to do this. And then, um, as the conversation evolves, it, it sets up like a backstory, like, okay, well, because a lot of these scams, you know, they, they ask for money because they're like, quote unquote, out of the country or they're stuck somewhere or something dramatic happened. And so they start to build up the story. Um, another thing that they do is like, they don't get too specific on their likes. So they're like, Hey, you know, I'm the type of guy that can drink a glass, glass of wine and then go to the opera and then also go ride a, a, a horse, you know, the next day. And so no matter what you like, if you like horses or operas, like I'm the guy for you. Right. Like, and so they get um, like a little broad with this and then um, the conversations move on to like more sexual nature where, you know, they get intimate and, and like start having these like heated conversations, but these scammers are literally copying and pasting this stuff like to these victims. And so we've seen like a handful of these playbooks. This, this is the funny, like, this is the funniest name we found for one of the playbooks, but like, I mean, we've seen, you know, a dozen of these playbooks over the years, you know, that get shared to us here and there. So, but yeah. 
Well, it's funny you bring that up because before we wrap here, I was going to ask about the sex. I mean, this is cancel me baby, David. So it's an open forum here. What goes down in that arena? Like what, see me again, it's even like the apartment thing. I'd be like, I need a phone call. I need a FaceTime. I need to see it. So what happens when push comes to shove or are people literally just exchanging, you know, porn hub screenshots as if it is, you know, as if they are their own, like what's going on there? hundred percent. So we see like a lot of the pictures that get stolen are either like, like adult film actresses or like gay film, like, like film stars, like movie stars. Right. And so they have nudes that are attached to them. And so these women that like talk to us, they're, they find out it's a scam and they're like, Oh, I've sent them a pictures of my, myself. What like there's sex distortion that truly that really happens with this. And so like these scammers are relentless. And so they'll try to get money with, you know, through you by you just willingly handing it over. But then if you get to the point where you start calling them out, they'll say, Hey, I have your nudes and I want you to keep sending me money, or I'm going to send your nudes to your friends and family. We've had like 67 year old women that say they've had like the best, um, like, uh, like phone sex with these scammers, like overseas and not knowing that they're like, they're talking to a scammer and, you know, they've sent nudes, they've sent it, sent it all. Like you'd be shocked. You know, we had um, like a really well-known model one time that, you know, was like basically cheating on her boyfriend with a guy she met online and was exchanging nudes. We found out that the real guy was in like Austria. And so it was like some guy that stole somebody's pictures was talking to, you know, this really good looking model and they started exchanging nudes back and forth, but he was using some other guys as uh, images. Ladies, let it be known. I don't care what kind of dick is on your doorstep. I don't want to see anybody sending those nudes unless you literally have a social security, a blood type, a sperm donation sample, like 100. Holy crap. Well, speaking to this is my last question, David, speaking to, you know, the model that you talk about, should celebrities, I mean, if I were one, I certainly would be shitting my pants. But do you remember that celeb gate controversy when all these leaked nudes from like Jennifer Lawrence, all these um, stars happened at once? But wouldn't you think they have like the most tight knit hardcore security or should they basically be like shaking and wearing you know turtlenecks everywhere they go because yeah i mean we always recommend just don't do it like if you care that your images get out there like don't send nudes you know because you're sending it out you don't know what's going to happen to it i mean there's a nice. netflix documentary series about uh the most hated man on the internet i don't know if you've seen that one it's pretty good but it's about this guy who had a revenge porn website and he was hacking girls women's phones and, and their emails and stealing their pictures to put on a site. And um, these women thought that they, it was the people they were sending it to that were sending it to him. Um, so, I mean, if you don't want your news out there, like don't send them, like, first of all, and like you said, get social security, blood type, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> you're going to go forward with it. I mean, there are a lot of secure ways to store stuff, you know? Um, so like Dropbox and, and different ways where you need access and a password, um, they're fairly secure as long as you keep your passwords strong. So if you decide to save nudes and, and do that, that's probably the route I would recommend. Um, but the best and safest route is always not to do it. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people come to us and they want to know if their nudes are out there on the internet, you know, or, or they were a different person 10 years ago and, and, you know, they had nudes out on the internet and now they're, 
you know, in the legal field or something else and they don't want them out there. And so you always kind of have to think about the future. It's kind of like getting the tattoo, um, you know, make sure if you're going to get that tattoo, it's something you want to live with for the rest of your life. You know, I was going to speak to our culture of immediacy because I think a lot of this is about that. But when you think about it, it's kind of like the tale is old as time, kind of like we want what we want when we want. I, I, of course, we have a, a, an obsession and need for immediacy like we never have because of social media technology. But that is something that, you know, it's kind of always there, like the human like spirit and desire. And with that, I'll say, you know, it kind of reminds me, you're like, just hold off. It's not worth it. It's like ladies, gents, you know, it's like the pull out method. It's not, we're just wrap it up because when you're in the heat of the moment, same thing with sending this shit in the end, it is just not worth it. So let's take that advice. Um, hopefully, um, David, Love what you're doing with social catfish. I, I hope, you know, none of my listeners will ultimately have to use because of what I just said, um, your service one day. But like I said, um, it is the tech Lord's work. So um, I think it's great what you do. And in the end of the day, you must feel, you know, really good about it too, that you are helping people in all this chaos. Yeah, like for sure. Like, you know, like I truly believe we're changing industry. I mean, we're part of the quote unquote, like people search industry. We're significantly different than other people search websites. And we've really paved the path for like online privacy. And like, we even have a, a special uh, like community that we've built for like people that, um, you know, say you're being abused and, and you're fearful of your life and you don't want your information public. We help these people remove that information. So we're doing a lot of like great things that I'm like super proud of. I could never do it without my team. You know, we have about 40 staff and, That's and awesome. you know, just some freaking awesome hard workers. And, and so absolutely. I'm too, super proud of what we've done. You should be. And guys like don't enlist David and his team are the professionals. Like you don't need to be enlisting your best friend who is the, like an, the FBI agent you never knew who was amazing at stalking. Like the new guy you just met, go to socialcatfish.com, hit up David and they'll get you squared away the legitimate way. So David, thank you so much. So appreciate it. And thank you for what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, anytime.